This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back to The Scorecard with Barry Cronin and Mike Esposito, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on Chicago's Sports Radio 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. And hour two underway here on the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. Appreciate you joining us each and every Saturday morning as you get ready for your round, as you're driving out to the course, as you're waking up and getting your day started as we talk all the best in the game of golf. And uh, today, Barry, a really cool thing that you got to do uh, with the guy who really leads the charge for NBC in terms of their golf coverage uh, Tommy Roy is his name, uh, NBC golf producer, head of all golf coverage. Uh, the guy has had an illustrious career, and uh, uh, I mean, just just his accomplishments are are pretty great. It's crazy. Um, and so for folks, uh, core listeners and uh, Bulls fans, uh, he was head of the NBC uh, NBA on NBC coverage. And he mentions to me at the end of the interview about how much he loves Chicago. They were here when in 1991, 20 years ago, God Almighty, and uh, when Michael <laughs> Jordan uh, led the Bulls to the first uh, championship, first to six. And uh, yeah, he just said says how much he loves Chicago. Um, <laughs> you know, he had to kind of get that in at the end of the interview. So uh, there you real, uh, a soft soft spot in his heart. So anyway, and- we'll get going on the interview and uh, and we'll uh, talk a little bit in a little bit. So. Thanks. Tommy, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Um, Obviously, we uh, all witnessed one of the great U.S. Opens, uh, at least in uh, my lifetime, which is getting to be pretty long. And uh, uh, it it really was uh, spectacular. Maybe uh, 2008 was uh, was pretty good. But, uh, boy, when you looked at the leaderboard when the boys uh, made the turn, um, I I felt like I was looking at the FedEx Cup rankings or the World uh, (laughs) Golf rankings right there. And there they were, right in right in front of us. It was like all the great IndyCar drivers of all time uh, coming into the backstretch, and uh, man, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, it looked like we were headed for an all-timer there, you know, maybe even a five-man playoff of <laughs> the best players in the world. Uh, it, it didn't unfold that way as, as all the a lot of the big stars started falling apart, but the great thing about uh, that this U.S. Open is that it was won. You know, a lot of times these, these U.S. Opens are lost, and it's kind of a bummer and a, a downer. You know, the U.S. Women's Open just uh, 
a week earlier with Lexi there, kind of blowing it down right. the stretch. That we've had those happen with with Nicholson, and um, but to have Ron make the putt on 17, make the putt on 18, and and have fans there that were legitimately going out of their minds. So it had a lot of energy. It, it was uh, great fun. Well, I think if the fans at home were anything like me, I was going out of my mind. They were going out of their minds, too, <laughs> yelling at the TV, which usually I only usually for Bears games, I'll do that. And usually it's in dismay. <laughs> but this was uh, but this was just so great. Tommy, you know, as, as you know, you're the head of NBC Golf and you've been doing this since 1993. I mean, your schedule's unbelievable. Um, we talked about it on the intro uh, telling everybody what you do. But, you know, really, you're in charge and your job is you're communicating an accurate narrative of the tournament with cameras and announcers and all this new technology that you have. But what I wanted to do is just for the folks at home who may not, who, who we all look at TV, and TV is so good at the network level and all the great stuff that we watch. But I want to give people an idea from your standpoint. Let's just take the 17th hole, right? When, when Rom was putting, he made that putt on 17, which I think all of us are going to remember. 18 was great, but 17 was like the game changer because then Louie hit it in the barranca. God love him. Um, but um, what kind of, how many cameras did you have there? Where was your announcers on the ground? And how, what kind of decisions do you make? Pretend like you're a golfer and take us through your decision-making process as the head of this whole operation. Well, uh, when the putt drops, um, Roger Maltby is with the last group, so he's on the ground. Gary Koch is in a tower behind the 17th green. That's one of his five holes that he was uh, responsible for there. Uh, Dan Hicks and Paul Azing are, are uh, up in the, the main announce booth. Where, where this time, typically we, we have it on 18, but this time we had it out over the cliffs because of the, the gorgeous view. So they were uh, calling it and reacting to it from there. Uh, we had, I guess, about seven cameras on the scene at that point. Plus, you, you throw in the drone and the airplane, so I get this up to nine. <laughs> and uh, and it's like putt drops, and, and it's time to take us through all the replays. And what I like to do, instead of replaying the program cut, which is the exact thing that the, the people just saw, I like to do something different. So we will, when we think that there's a possibility of a big putt, We'll actually, myself and, and Chris McGuire, who's our uh, tape producer, we'll sit there and we'll go, okay, we're going to go this angle, this angle, this angle, this angle, if this thing drops. So it's a, uh, we try to pick um, something that's different from what you just saw, you know, but, but a similar but different. And then we'll go wide. It, it includes the crowd. Now, our mantra at NBC is we never do actually cut to a crowd shot because nobody ever bought a ticket to watch other people watch a sporting event, you know, so, but, <laughs> well, but you, you know, but when we do get a big uh, crowd reaction in golf, that's like gold to us because, you know, most of the time you get the, the quiet, the, sorry, the, the, you know, the quiet golf crowd, you know, the, and, right. and so when we do get something big happening, we like replay, but we always have the golfer in the foreground. So the, uh, in this case, Ron was in the foreground, the crowd, you know, behind him in the background going crazy. And then we'll go tight after that. Sometimes I'll go in a tight shot of the ball on the green, um, particularly those greens out there with the, the poana, you know, where the ball's bouncing along and it may not necessarily fall dead center. It might catch an edge. And then, and then you go to the tight reaction shot of the guy. So that was the sequence that we went through. 
And um, do you tell Chris your, uh, which ones to go to in what order before he even hits the putt? We, we decide the order before he hits the putt, yeah. Okay. Wow. And we name our, our replay devices either colors or letters. So we go, okay, it's going to be X, red, silver, blue. And, and you know, 90% of the time the putt doesn't drop, but we are ready for that <laughs> sequence if it does drop. And so, how many? Do you remember how many replays you actually showed of that of that one putt there? It seemed like we, at least five or six. Four, right? And then, and I think we, as he walked over to eighteen two, we had another couple more just to give a couple more angles. Because that was awesome. And so, and so, it sounds like you're, um, you know, with with all your color schemes and everything, you're like uh, you're like a quarterback in the huddle, calling different uh, different <laughs> plays a little bit. You know, man, uh, yeah, it's it, the the cameras are. are uh, called either by numbers, and, and we do it based on what hole they are. So on camera, I mean, on the 18th hole, we have camera 18. But then we also have 28, 38, and 48. And then on 17, it's camera 17, but that 27, 37, 47. So that's how that works. And then the, the walking cameramen that are RF, we call them by their names or their nicknames. So like the guy that was with, uh, uh, actually with Oosthuizen, um was uh, Dog. He's a, his name's Mike Wimberly, but we call him Dog. Of course, you got to have you got to have nicknames. Um, oh, of course. So you this was a this was a tournament that was like you know you had I don't know how many hours a day you were on. It just seemed like it came on on Thursday. Forty six and a half hours. Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It just seemed to go on and on, and then for the longest time, you know, and I watch it a lot because I'm into golf, and uh, you know. Um, you know, you had Richard Bland and Russell Henley up at the top, and you know all you can say as a former golf scribe who sees these these things. And we said it on this show last week was, well, you know, at some point uh, Richard Bland and Russell Henley are going to realize they're at the top of the leaderboard at the U.S. <laughs> Open, and then they're not going to be there anymore in pretty short order, which is kind of what happened. And I and I don't say that with any disparaging uh, at all. It's just it's just the way it is. And um, but but how many uh, announcers did you have on that broadcast and how many, um, you know, uh, how many, and you were on, you said 46 hours, how many announcers and it took forever. Yeah, we had, we had 16 announcers spread out throughout the day because the most important thing is you want uh, your guys uh, at their best. And that includes us in the truck. We need to be at our very best when the leaders are on the back nine on Sunday. So if you've killed yourself doing, 10 hours a day on Thursday and Friday, you're not going to be at your best. So that's why we have the extra people there to work the mornings and and get us through that. Uh, But you brought up an interesting point that a lot of people don't realize about golf. And I'll use football as an example. If you're going to go produce a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, you can 100% count on the storyline of that game being Tom Brady. Well, when we come right. to a, a, a U.S. Open, you know, we, we think it might be DeChambeau. We think it might be Kepka. We think it might be Nicholson or Ron. Um, other guys get in there, and you have to react to, to, you know, who's on the board. So Richard Bland, here we are reacting that night. You know, he, pl- he plays good, and, and now we have a show in, in prime time on NBC. So uh, Jimmy Roberts uh, put together – um, a little essay on him to, to personalize him so that the people at home would know who he is and hopefully have a rooting interest in him. And this actually goes back to our Olympic training 
which so it's sort of in our wheelhouse where every four years, um, and we're about to do it here in a couple yeah. of weeks, um, you know, we're introducing all these new athletes to the world, uh, and particularly the viewers here in the States, uh, and hopefully uh, giving the folks here a rooting interest to care about these athletes as they watch the Olympic coverage. It works the same way in golf. You know, and, and that's the thing. When you look, think about the 2008, um, you know, Tiger with all, I mean, the whole story was Tiger. And, and uh, Rocco was there, but there really wasn't anybody else. It was kind of a two-man game, right? I mean, or am I remembering it wrong? I, th- well, I think it was um, a two-man game, right? Westwood had a chance to join that playoff if he would have made mm-hmm. a two-and-a-half-foot putt on the 72nd green, and he missed it. Yeah, well, he doesn't make two-and-a-half-foot putts. Lee. God bless him. It's why he doesn't have a major. <laughs> but, but right, so, so, but then, of course, then you had the playoff, and it was obviously just the two of them. And, and um, But this was, I mean, Tommy must have been eight to ten guys within a couple of, because last time. I mean, it was ten chasing, within one shot of the lead uh, right about in the middle of our broadcast. So, I mean, what are you doing? Your head's on a swivel, right? You're in that in that truck going, how do you decide what to do next? Well, um, my co-producer, Tom Randolph, uh, we call him uh, Rain Man because he's <laughs> unbelievable the way he can track all the different players, what they're doing, what hole they're on, what shot they're hitting. And you also have to know the um, you know, pre-shot routines because some guys are fast some guys take their time, and so all that has to get calculated in so that we can uh, you know, go back and forth and, and get as many shots live as we possibly can. So uh, He's amazing. Our entire team is amazing. Um, and the guys in, in uh, videotape, well, we haven't used videotape in years in, in TV. It's all digital now, but um, a lot of the, the replays and, and some of the shots, you know, we're covering up to 70 balls in play at any one time, so when you're live, there's 15 other guys hitting golf shots, so a lot of them are um, turned around on tape, and uh, so our guys are great. It's 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 a great team. Yeah. So you have great announcers, and um, uh, Maltby and Gary Koch, uh, they're they're great. Um, Zinger's awesome. Hicks is solid, you know. Um, but the guys that I really think, I just think it was ingenious for you to hire Bones, uh, uh, Jim McKay, off of uh, Mickelson's bag. Uh, just, just a stroke of genius, and he is so well-spoken, obviously very articulate, and has been in the, has been in the throes of everything with Phil over the years. What inspired you to hire bones well he um was a friend you know uh, an acquaintance and we would occasionally uh go have dinner when we were out on tour and i and i do that with other uh players or caddies as well and the interesting thing is is most of the time when you're out to dinner with these folks they're talking about their own round of golf that day or that week uh but not much else and with bones every time we go to dinner he he was talking about every storyline that was taking place um, for that event, you know, including that day, uh, not just about how Phil had played. And it just sort of struck me as, wow, this this guy, he thinks like a producer. You know, he's he's thinking like the way I would think, you know, not just focused on one thing. And we know um, what a great communicator is because of the days of listening in on the microphone to the conversations between me and Phil. Right. A combo of him being a great communicator and having the mind of a producer, it was like, whoa, I think he could be pretty good. 
And, and the same thing with John Wood. Um, yes. Who, you know, same sort of deal. He, I, he come to dinner with us as well in these conversations about what was going on in the world of sports. And so um, we were doing uh, the tournament here uh, just up in Georgia, the McGregory, and uh, it was on cable. And so I was thinking it'd be nice to have some sort of a gimmick on Thursday and Friday to spice up the telecast. I was like, you know what? Let's see if these guys – I know that their players are not going to play. That was at the time when John was cutting for Hunter Megan. And I knew that, that Hunter and Phil were not going to play, so I said, hey, would you guys be interested in coming in on Thursday and Friday? You know, we'll kind of play it up that got caddies on the telecast. And we did, and they both did incredibly well. It was almost like they had been in the TV business for a while. You know, they're doing stand-ups and all this. And the first stand-up that Bones did, he was chewing gum. Yeah, and people have no idea how hard to do I, to do a stand-up, how, they, yeah. how hard that is. To, I mean, yeah. I tried and, to do it. You can't. Were, it's just hard to do. Yeah. They were experts right away. And so then, uh, you know, eventually, when uh, Phil and, and Bones split, it was like, that's the first phone call I made. And Bones was interested, and uh, so it, it worked out. And then the same thing unfolded with uh, John. So we ended up with these guys, and kind of the cool thing is, you know, the networks on, on tour on the courses, a caddy gets to the ball, kind of gives his pro all the information, all the options, and then the pro hits the side. And so sort of what we're doing on TV is replicating that, where Bones and, and John are setting up these shots, and then our uh, Former tour pros are talking about the execution of the shot, and, and then it unfolds just like that. All right, I know we got to go real quick, but I wanted to ask you one more thing, if we could, just about you personally. You were the son of a golf pro. You were a good enough golfer. Some people said to maybe think about going pro. How did you wind up? Tell the folks how you wound up in broadcasting and uh, and uh, how you made the decision to change your life. That change your life. Yeah, well, I don't think I was gonna ever end up being good enough to be a tour player. I probably would have ended up being, you know, a club professional following in my dad's footsteps. But what happened was it was my sophomore year of uh, college at the University of Arizona. I wanted a job during the Christmas break to make some extra money. And the Tucson Open um, happened to be the first event uh, of the year on the tour. So it was during that window. So my dad got me a job at the, at the tournament. So when I went out to the course to find out what this job was, they said you could either work in one of the portable bars on the golf course or you could take coffee to the NBC cameraman. And I had known the guy that had done this NBC role the year before, and not only did the club pay him, but NBC gave this guy a rental car to drive for the week. And so I knew nothing about the TV business or no aspirations related to work in television but my sole motivation for uh, taking the job was to drive the heck out of that rental car, which I did. <laughs> it just went from there. Where, uh, I came into the truck on, on Saturday, which was the first uh, broadcast day, because they knew that I knew something about golf because of my dad and helped spot for them. And when they went on the air that first day, for anybody that's been in a, in a TV control room, you know, it's just controlled chaos and excitement and energy and I knew that that's what I wanted to do when I saw that. So that's how, how it all started. 
Well, Tommy Roy, we are so honored that you came on our little radio show here in Chicago. We hope everybody heard it. And um, best of luck to you at the uh, at the British Open, at the Ryder Cup, and I think, oh, and the FedEx Cup playoffs. Oh, and oh, by the way, I believe uh, Olympic swimming trials or something, yep. right? <laughs> yep. well, we <laughs> That's in the next three Olympics. months. Okay. That's just the next three yep. months of your schedule. So, By, by uh, the way, I have to say that I, I, I have, have had a great opportunity to work a lot of events in Chicago, you know, all many great golf events, U.S. Open, Ryder Cup, all those BMWs. But I also was uh, our first producer of the NBA on NBC, which started with, uh, in our era, it started with the Bulls winning those first three championships with Michael. And those weren't just games, they were happenings, you know, in the yeah. old Chicago Stadium and we were prime time. And boy, did I have fun. And our, our whole group had so much fun coming to Chicago, so... A salute to the Windy City. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Tommy. We really appreciate it. Best of luck to you and everything in the future, and we hope to maybe get you on some other time. Thank you so much. You got it, Ben. That is Tommy Roy, NBC golf producer extraordinaire, and uh, nice job with that, Barry. Uh, Tommy couldn't join us this morning, so we pre-taped that one earlier this week, and really a fascinating uh, backstory and career. His dad was a golf pro, as you mentioned there in the interview, but then uh, the, the zigs and zags of his TV life uh, there at NBC, uh, it's, it's, uh, I know a lot of people would be thrilled to have the opportunities that he had there. Well, right, and he's been there now 40 years. And uh, crazy. The other thing yep. that, I, that people don't know, he was um, producing NFL games. He was doing the NFL and golf, and he had a, a clause in his contract where he could he could give up the NFL just to just do golf, but he would have to take a pay cut. <laughs> so he loved golf so much, and I think it was a little bit of a family situation, too, sure. where he wanted to stick at home you know, with his children a little bit more and not be on the road every week during the NFL season. But uh, uh, he gave it up, and he, and he just uh, d- does golf. But, of course, they've got him doing everything because he's so good right? <laughs> you know, that he's uh, – uh, he did. He does other things. So, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it's funny, like I said before we, we came into the interview, he mentioned at the end about Chicago and about uh, uh, producing uh, the, the Bulls games when they were hot and when the city yep. was uh, when the city was on fire. So uh, really a good interview. I hope people liked it. You know, I don't know if I got too into the weeds, but um, hopefully people no, liked it's... it. It's uh, good stuff there, my friend, and uh, really enjoyed it. And certainly. Uh... Uh, he's got, as you mentioned, it's it's going to be quite a 2021 for him after we, we just had the U.S. Open. Uh, you mentioned the Ryder Cup, the Olympics. Uh, that's uh, it's well, a he's lot got the, he's stuff. got the British Open in like in the British in like Open. three, How can I three weeks. Right. So the British Open and then he they do they do two of the three FedEx Cup playoff events. Um, you know, they'll they'll be at the final at East Lake because yep. the CBS will be a deep into the NFL. Um, sure. Sure, so they'll yeah. they'll take that and then he'll then in but in between oh and and then after that he'll do the Ryder Cup but in between the FedEx Cup playoffs and the Ryder Cup he's got to go to Tokyo to do the Olympic swimming trials or something it's just crazy so uh, um, so it's a lot of good stuff there for anyway I hope you enjoyed uh, our chat with Tommy Roy if you ever enjoy any of the the media side of things on the TV side a lot of uh, behind the scenes stuff there. Good stuff uh, from Tommy Roy. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about what's happening at the Travelers Championship this weekend in Connecticut. Bubba Watson with some 
equipment issues. We'll we'll tell you about those uh, when we return, and then we'll talk to Dan O'Neill from the Morning Read uh, before we are out of here at eight o'clock. This is the Scorecard. We are presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine. It's Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back on the scorecard presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine here on Chicago's Sports Radio 670. The score, Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito with you. Uh, Barry, a ch- quick check of the uh, Tech Zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Lots of positive reviews for your interview with uh, with Tommy Roy. So we uh, certainly Good. appreciate uh, Long Ball Mike waiting for the rain to go away. We appreciate you texting in uh, <laughs> and a few other 312 texts uh, come in. Uh, glad you enjoyed that. I love listening to the whole behind the scenes thing. You know, the I, I have had the pleasure and privilege of sitting in in broadcast uh, control rooms and trucks during live events uh and it is it is quite a something and and you know tommy kind of tried to give people a behind the scenes glimpse of that so good stuff there although apparently we did our math wrong because somebody texted in from the 847 that 1991 was 30 years ago so i don't know oh. if, if well, we got our you math know, wrong listen, somewhere you what's know. Uh, what's a decade among friends you know give <laughs> me a break right. you know and, and, uh, and i was you know i wasn't really that great in math no, and, and I did have to look now, Barry. So so the Bulls won their first title. It was exactly 30 years and two weeks ago. June 12th, 1991 was the date. So 30 years oh. and two weeks. And I know for uh, the handful of listeners who care that they will they will appreciate that. Anyway. Well, and, and the other thing was, not a few days later, Michael Jordan 
uh, went out to Stonebridge Country Club, where the which was the home of the Ameritech Senior Open, uh-huh. and played in a pro-am on Wednesday with Arnold Palmer. And the first hole, which is 500 yard, it was, I don't know, it was a par five, 500 yard hole or more. And there were people lined up on both sides of the fairway, five or six deep. I'll never forget it. And it was the biggest crowd I've ever seen in golf. And they followed those two around and uh, it was just uh, just terrific. And uh, Arnold gave a, a nice interview afterwards, which I think is on YouTube somewhere where he said, oh, yeah, Michael's got a lot of potential in golf. So. <laughs> and he did. He had the potential to build his own course down and- in Florida. And, and, right, and and how many times in his life, certainly since he turned pro uh, and really became the household name that he was, was Arnold Palmer ever the number two guy in a twosome on a golf course? Right, I mean, <laughs> that was probably uh, never. Those, I mean, you think about it; those are the two biggest names in sports at the time. Uh, Arnold's made it work, made it work, until you know, from the time he was the late fifties uh, right. all the way till the day he died. So, uh, uh, yeah, exactly right. It was uh, it was tremendous. Well, and, uh, you know, MJ, as we know, certainly uh, all about golf. He's a huge player, and uh, well, that was cool. And that, that is certainly a, a great interview with Tommy. We appreciate that, Barry. Uh, the tour this weekend is at the Travelers Championship uh, in Connecticut. Jason Day is our leader at 9-under par after a 62 yesterday. Uh, and I mentioned Bubba Watson in the last segment. He's tied for second at 8-under, just one shot back, but... He had a bit of an equipment issue yesterday, Barry. Yeah, well, you know, Bubba is Bubba does really well at that tournament. Um, over the years, he's won there a couple of times, and it's nice to see Jason Day. Um, Jason has a pretty bad back, and he can't practice as much as he would like to. Um, so it's good to see that he uh, that he's such a, a wonderful guy. He won uh, he won the BMW Championship uh, a few years ago and became the world number one player. Um, but, um, you know, he's really had a bad back over a, a number of years. And, uh, so it's good to see him up at the top of the leaderboard, uh, and to see Bubba, of course, Bubba's always in the mix there at, uh, at the travelers. Um, you know, I did want to mention, Mike, we, we tend to, we tend to neglect the women's golf. Uh, I think everybody does. Uh, they have, a, they're playing in a major championship this week, the, uh, okay. the KPMG, uh, women's PGA championship. And, uh, they are uh, uh, Nellie Corda is leading the tournament. They're playing at Johns Creek, Georgia, and um, outside Atlanta. So uh, uh, Nellie Corda winning. She's uh, leading anyway. She's 11 under par, and Lizette Salas is 10 under par. And there's a few players at seven. And so, uh, and that's on the Golf Channel and uh, the Peacock Network. Um, you know, you've got to try to find it, but. Uh, yeah, I think if sometimes I think if you're looking to uh, learn how to swing, uh, we we men we tend to try to overswing and hit it hard uh-huh. and crush it and everything. And you look at their pace and their rhythm of their swings; uh, they hit it straight all the time. <laughs> they hit it on the green all the time, and they make two putts. It's almost, it's almost, it's not boring, but it's the same all the time. Whereas the men's game is a power game. They hit it out of bounds. They hit it out, not out of bounds, but they hit it all over the place and they have right. to have great recovery shots and everything. So people are a little more interested in watching the men's game on television uh, than the ladies. But I did want to mention that they do have a major championship uh, this week. Certainly, certainly worth mentioning. And uh, as we uh, uh, get ready to take a quick time out uh, at the Travelers, I should mention, so Bubba is a shot back. He broke off. He, his driver snapped. The, the the head of his driver 
uh, popped off of his uh, neon pink driver uh, <laughs> mid-swing on the second tee yesterday. He did get, uh, he does carry a backup. He did have it with him in time for uh, the next time he needed to use it, but that was uh, that was a something. And as you mentioned, he always does well at this tournament, but he is he is there at uh, one shot back behind Jason Day. So um, should be it's a ama- it's there. amazing. As hard as they swing, Mike, it's amazing that doesn't happen more often on the tour. Where yeah, and you know you know that that guys uh, usually I think they 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 kind of know that it's going to happen, so they they'll go to the equipment trailer early in the week um, and they'll go in and they'll have it. Um, fixed or whatever, but maybe Bubba didn't, uh, maybe, you know, a lot of guys don't want to change their clubs at all. So um, maybe he was just riding it to the, you know, it's like uh, when your brakes are bad, you know, you just say, well, I can make it another couple weeks before I have to spend that 800 bucks to get my brakes, (laughs) you know, the the new rotors uh, and, uh, you know, you hope it's just the brake pads, but it sometimes, for me, it's always the rotors too. Well, got, gotta, gotta keep up with that uh, maintenance, my friend, but, uh, we will uh, we will take a quick time out now. When we come back, Dan O'Neill from the Morning Read will join us. Uh, wrote a nice article uh, after the U.S. Open. We will talk to Dan next. Uh, before we head head to that break, I want to remind you uh, to check out cdga.org/contest. We're giving you stuff. It's a, a giveaway for a CDGA starter pack. Uh, in the pack, you'll get an imperial hat, towel, and zero friction super tube with Spectromat balls and a universal fit glove. Everything you need to start the season. Uh, it's a great package. Check out cdga.org contest for your chance to win. When we return, Dan O'Neill from The Morning Read here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine on 670 The Score. Back here on The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine, 670 The Score. Barry Cronin, Mike Esposito, and it's time to jump on out to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. There's we wa- there we find award-winning writer, columnist, longtime golf reporter Dan O'Neill from the Morning Read joins us. Good morning, Dan. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Dan. It's so great to have you. Uh, you had a column in the Morning Read for people who want to go look at it, morningread.com, June 22nd. Um, and I just thought every every paragraph was just just terrific, and it was about Tory Pines. And we 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 had heard last week, and we actually said, well, nobody people don't really think it's such a great golf course. Um, but you made a great um, defense of Tory Pines, and really a defense of uh, this was a throwback U.S. Open. This is not the U.S. Open that we've seen uh, in recent years. Yeah, well, I think you know one thing. Uh, Barry, as you know, with with Mike Davis kind of in tr- running things uh, for the USGA when it came uh, it, it came to championship setups, or at least the U.S. Open setup, um, you know, it's a little inconsistent. I think they've been a little bit up and down. Uh, sometimes a little too forgiving. Sometimes a little too harsh, uh, like Shinnecock was. Um, but last year, or not last? Well, yeah, last year. <laughs> Sounds funny to say that because it was just September, but uh, you know they, they had the open at, at Wingfoot, and certainly Wingfoot was hard for most of the players. I mean, there was only one player under par, but that was Bryson DeChambeau who won by six strokes and won basically by just hitting the ball as far as he could wherever it went, and then being uh, powerful enough to just 
make the rough almost irrelevant. I think what we saw at Torrey Pines was just a, a really outstanding U.S. Open setup uh, on a golf course that provided that that kind of um, playing field. The bunkers were, uh, you know, in perfect places. I mean, I can't ever remember seeing more players in the sand. Uh, I don't know right. if keep stats on that, but it was amazing. I mean, one player would would stand up to the tee and hit his uh, driver in the sand and the guy he was playing with would step up and do the same thing but uh you know it it really provided i think kind of a classic u.s open and that um you know on sunday you you pretty much had a log jam uh up at the top of the leaderboard and that that's when things got really difficult and players uh struggled you had that some of the top names in the game up there, DeChambeau, McElroy, uh, you know, Justin Thomas, bunch of guys with a chance Kepka. to still win. Kepka. Mm-hmm. Uh and then what she had was a guy who, who played well consistently well all week, not spectacular, but just kind of hung in there, John Ram. Uh, until it, it got down to the last two holes he had an opportunity to do something and he did. I mean he sank a twenty four foot putt on 17 for birdie and then made an 18 footer on uh, 18 for birdie uh, back to back back to back birdies to win the championship you just can't ask for anything better than that but but the main thing was you're right i mean uh, you know there's a lot of stops in golf especially when it comes to design yeah and so (laughs) and so yeah you know tory pines isn't the i mean the actual golf course itself uh, it's a public course, so you can't get a, you can't get too crazy with it. And the actual golf course is not the most spectacular, but it's in a setting that's truly spectacular. I mean, the drone pictures from uh, from Torrey Pines uh, were just amazing, and one of the highlights of the week, I thought. And and so it's a perfectly legitimate U.S. Open course. I mean, there's been two U.S. Opens there. The one in 2008 is one of the most memorable in history with Tiger Woods beating Rocco Media in the playoff. And then we had the, the John Rahm win uh, uh, the last time. So, you know, I don't think it needs to apologize to anyone. Right. And, and Dan, um, Mike Davis took over. And Mike Davis, this was his last uh, year at the uh, USGA as, uh, as the uh, top man there. And he really was uh, had a lot to say about some of these setups over the years. And um, the, when, he, when he took over, to me, and I don't know what you think about this, but uh, the, the aesthetic of the U.S. Open changed, the nature of it changed. And a number of players said, this, this isn't the U.S. Open anymore. It's not as hard as it yep. used to be. And it kind of lost its identity. And um, uh, I, I don't know what you think about that, but it seems to me your column said that, that, that the U.S. Open reclaimed its identity a little bit more this year with the higher rough and, and just being a more difficult setup. The setup itself, not the golf course, was, was, what, was what made a difference. Yeah, well, I think you're right. Uh, there was a, uh, there's been occasions during uh, Mike's uh, tenure uh, that the U.S. Open did – get a little, a little creative, a little inventive, and maybe went a little too far. I mean, you, you had tournaments at Aaron Hills and Pinehurst um, where it was a little too friendly. And, and you had, a, a, as you pointed out, uh, the character of the tournament, so 
sort of leaned more, in, in some instances, more towards a, a British Open, really, than the U.S. Open. I mean, all of these these championships, as you know, Barry, they all have sort of their own character, their own history, their own personality. And there were instances, I, I think, where, where the U.S. Open kind of lost lost that, lost what it was known for or is known for. Uh, now, I, you know, I think it's a little unfair to really put that on any particular person because they went to uh, they, they they've brought the U.S. Open to facilities that that had it had not been there before, and they sort of adapted to those facilities and tried to uh, do some things with those unique settings. And, and sometimes it, it just didn't please all the critics all of the time. So mm-hmm. um, I, I personally, I, I like the kind of U.S. Open that Torrey Pines provided. Uh, um, it's supposed to be hard. And and especially in today's game, the rough has to be penal. I, you know, the, today's game has gotten so, um, well, this is another thing I thought Torrey really brought out was um, the, the way the game's played now. It's, it's like players don't, adjust they don't finesse things it's it's like all that matters is how far can you hit it and then they and then they want to hit it hit it with a driver and then have a wedge in their hand right bomb and gouge right bomb and gouge yeah yeah bomb and gouge and that's where the bunkers came into play i mean you know you would think at some point when so many guys are hitting the ball in the bunkers at 310 or three hundred and 15 yards you would think at one point somebody would say you know what i'm going to hit a two iron take the bunkers out of play and i'll have to hit a slightly longer club with my next shot but i can hit all my clubs plenty i have plenty of length in each of my clubs so that really shouldn't be a big deal i mean look what tiger did i mean tiger hit it farther than anybody or as far as anybody during his the prime of his career, but but how many times did he win where he you know dialed it down a bit, hit the hit what he called those stingers, or, or used his two iron to win a British Open? Um, you know he was able to do that. It seems like today uh, it's uh, that the game is just about you know hit it 350 yards and then uh, uh, you know have a wedge in your hand, and, and that just seems like the the way the game is played. Well, at, at Torrey Pines, if you miss the fairway. And and it was a unique place because of the type of that kukuyu grass, which is so gnarly and and thick. Uh, if you miss the fairway, you're in trouble. As 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 Bryson DeChambeau found out. I mean, he's right in the middle of the tournament, and then shoots a 44 in the back nine and falls out because he because he couldn't hit the fairway at the greens. Talking to Dan O'Neill from the Morning Read and uh, Dan, yeah, we we were talking about that earlier in the show about Bryson's collapse there. Uh, and I'm with you. I, I like the uh, the difficulty. It should be a challenging course. Uh, it should be a challenging round for the U.S. Open. But I also want to pick up, too, on something you mentioned. Uh, and I noticed this, too, because I happen to be watching with my wife. And, you know, some of the she could care less about the golf. But, the, the you know, the drone shots and the whole scene setting along with the golf, you know, the, 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 the kind of made-for-TV package. I thought it was very well done. It was certainly something that held her interest a little bit, too, as somebody who's not necessarily interested in the game, but but really the aesthetic of it and, and really sucking everyone into the broadcast. Yeah, I thought so. I, you know, it's it's one thing you got to give Fox credit. Uh, 
they had the championship for what I think five years, and uh, you know got a lot of uh, heat and a lot of criticism for the first couple of years. You know, uh, Chambers Bay and and some of the things they did, and uh, there was a little bit of awkwardness there. But but you have to give them credit because because uh, Fox is the one that brought the drones into the picture and uh, really used them. I thought the last couple of years that Fox had the the uh, telecast did a great job with the drones and and now that's become uh, an accepted thing and a regular thing in these championships and you know you have the coastline there uh, at Torrey Pines and uh, the Pacific coastline and you know with some of the criticism of, about the the course is that it doesn't make enough uh, use of the coastline that, that they could have routed it a little bit more right on the edge but regardless of that I mean, you get some spectacular vistas there and some spectacular shots, and it's hard to beat that. I mean, I, I thought it was just a terrific week of TV watching. Well, and I think we're hoping now with with uh, Mike Wan, uh, who's a who's from Chicago, uh, the Chicago area, formerly with the LPGA Tour, did a fabulous job with the LPGA Tour, taking over uh, at the USGA now. Uh, Will maybe uh, not be so um, uh, indebted to the architectural snobs who have kind of uh, um, uh, it, it deleted from the U.S. Open Rota places like Medina and uh, Belle Reve and uh, other places in the Midwest that are Parkland-style golf courses um, where you need heavy rough and uh, you need to hit it straight. So uh, hopefully uh, you know, we can get, get a U.S. Open back in the Midwest at an old traditional Parkland type of course. No, you're right. I mean, Mike Wan is, uh, uh, you know, uh, very good with PR and, and, and uh, you know, a uh, people kind of person. And as you said, he did a great job building the uh, LPGA brand, transferring that uh, uh, golf uh, uh, association and that to- tour and, and turning it into kind of a global product. So, you know, I'm, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does. And I think, you know, uh, a lot of people, rightfully so, have given Jason Gore uh, a lot of credit yes. for helping with the setup at Torrey Pines. Uh, you know, he's a new addition to that formula and did a great job there. So um, I think you're right. I, I think they will uh, learn from and, and – uh, uh, accept or embrace what they did at, at Tory, and and going forward, it, it bodes very well for the championship. Dan, we uh, really appreciate your time this morning. We are out of time, but uh, thanks so much, and and that was a great piece uh, that we were talking about there in the morning read. We appreciate you joining us. Well, thanks, guys. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. That- Dan O'Neill from the Morning Read uh, joining us, and that was an excellent uh, piece there uh, on the U.S. Open. Uh, we are out of time, Mr. Cronin. Oh, no. We need to get I another know. hour. We need to get him to give us another hour. I, I I guess the folks at Early Odds would probably object to that, but we will be back again next Saturday. <laughs> you have a great week, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Always great being with you. Thank everybody for uh, listening. Thanks to our guests, Dan O'Neill, who we just heard from, Tommy Roy from NBC Sports, Dave Peglo from Kishwaukee Country Club, and Matt Wenmaker from the Illinois Junior Golf Association. Thanks to Adam Studzinski, our great producer on the show here. As I said, Early Odds is next. Inside the clubhouse after that, 
I'm Mike Esposito. Be sure to join us next week for The Scorecard, presented by Chicago District Golfer Magazine here on 670 The Score. Have a great day, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.